You're listening to a podcast by Abide Church and Pastor Dan DeBell in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We pray this podcast helps you live, love, and look more like Jesus this week. Enjoy the message. Hey, today uh, we're going to continue in our series called The Fruit. And we're, we're continuing in the series, and it's one of those series that it's a long series, but God's revelation of the fruit of the Spirit is so deep. And to be honest with you, some of these uh, messages could be series all by themselves, specifically this one. This one could, uh, talking about God's faithfulness, could be a series in and of itself. Uh, but I think also what I've been noticing is that a lot of these as I'm getting into it, my heart behind this is that I want to show you from God's word how God is the fruit of the Spirit. God is love. He is peace. He is goodness. He is faithful. He is these things. And because of that, remember, it's the fruit of the Spirit. So because he is these things, now we get to bear that fruit and we get to represent that fruit to other people. So let's read Galatians 5 really quick and just remind ourselves of where we're at. Hopefully you got the fruit of the Spirit memorized if you haven't uh, already had it uh, memorized before. But Galatians 5, 22 says, but the fruit of the Spirit is, let's say together, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I would encourage you this week, if you're looking for some homework, go back and read Galatians 5 in its entirety. What you're going to see is you're going to see a comparison between two lists. Earlier in Galatians 5, you're going to see the works of the flesh or the work of the flesh. And then we see the fruit of the Spirit. It's interesting that it's not called the work of the Spirit. It's the work of the flesh, but it's not the work of the spirit. Why? Jesus already did the work. Jesus already did the work. Now, what? Producing fruit, it it requires work. But Jesus did all of the work for us. So now our job is to abide so that he can source that fruit to us so that we can bear it and we can share it with other people. So no longer, I, I cannot take on religious works to produce this fruit is what I'm saying. Well, if I attend church and I don't miss a church service, I'm going to be more loving. That, that may happen, but that's not really what we're saying. The, the root of the fruit of the Spirit is what? Abiding. It is a personal, close relationship with Jesus that goes beyond just an hour on Sunday. Our goal here, and this is why we give you the note-taking cards, is so that you would go home, you would read those scriptures, you would get in your Bible. And if you don't have a physical Bible, I would encourage you to get one, not just on your phone, but we have free ones up here. Get one, get in it, uh, read, read God's Word, and watch how He will produce a new character in you. That is not you. It is him in you, the hope of glory. It is him in you changing your family. It is him in you changing your perspective on different things that are going on in this world. We can't take on religious duties or religious works to produce this fruit. Jesus already did the work. So now we get to bear his fruit simply by abiding in him. You see how God understood how he created us. And so he created us in a way where we can simply walk the, the walk of faith. It's not a complex thing. It's not a difficult thing. It's not something I have to be so stressed out about. Well, am I doing the right thing? Spend time with Jesus every day. Get in his word. Spend time with him. Pray, worship, lead your family well, and watch how God will show up in your family. It's really that simple. Abide in Jesus. So today we're talking all about faithfulness. Everyone say that for me. Say Faithfulness. We're talking about faithfulness. And so here's what I want to talk about. Like I said, we're going to talk about how God is faithful. In fact, that's point number one. Point number one is this, really simple. God is faithful. 
God is faithful. Faithful at its basic definition simply means this, the character of one who can be relied on. At its basic form, that's what faithful means. If someone is faithful, they have the character of one or someone who can be relied on. And so here's what I would say. The point is God is faithful, but I'm going to take it a step further and say this. God has been faithful. God is faithful. And God will always be faithful. Let me say that again. God has been faithful. He is faithful. And he will always be faithful. In fact, in the book of Revelation chapter 19, we see an insight into the age to come. And we see the, um, uh, John writing about the heavens opening up. And in, John, in Revelation 19, he says, the heavens opened up, behold, the white horse, one, the one sitting on it is called, capital F, faithful. That is, he's not just his character, it's who he is. Like it is his name. He is called faithful. That's how much God is faithful. So we're going to talk about this. And I would, I would remind us of this. No matter what you face, no matter how good life has been, difficult life has been, no matter what you face, we have to be in the habit of reminding ourselves of God's faithfulness. Otherwise, we will forget that he has been faithful and that he is faithful and that he will be faithful. I've got to constantly remind myself that he is. Let me show you in Revelation 1 verse 8. He says this, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. And here's what he's saying is what, what I just said. He's saying, God's saying, I've always been faithful. I am faithful and I will always be faithful. I am unchanging. I am never changing. And so he's talking as he's writing this letter to the seven churches in Revelation, he's setting a pretty clear precedent saying, look, I am the same God yesterday, today, and forever. I have been, I am, and I will always be faithful to my word and to my character and who I am. So even though you may be going through a trial, God is saying, this is kind of a, a double negative, but bear with me. God is saying there has never been a time when I have not been faithful. There has never been a time when I have not been faithful. Now, if you've lived for any amount of time, there's going to be moments in your life that immediately pop up when you say, but I prayed for this in agreement with God's word, but I didn't see the answer I wanted. And that's the first thing that the devil will bring up in your mind and say, well, I, what about this time? What about that time? But I'm going to show you in scripture, and we're going to break this down as we go through, especially at the end of the message. I'm going to break it down and show you what do we do with those situations. But let me continue in this and say this. God is faithful even when we are not. God is faithful when we lack faith. He is full of faith. In fact, that's what 2 Timothy 2.13 says. It says, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. He cannot go against his character. He is always faithful. If we ever have less faith, he remains full of faith. So I think many times we put so much pressure on ourselves to say, well, I have to operate at a perfect level in order for God to do anything in my life. Now, we need to be walking in holiness. We need to be walking in communion with God. We need to be growing up spiritually, absolutely. But no matter what, no matter what, if I mess up this afternoon or I, you know, cuss somebody out on the way to church today because they cut me off, whatever, God is faithful. He's faithful. And that's not going to change. Nothing I will do will change his faithfulness. 
That's what scripture shows us. Lamentations 3 verse 22 says this, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. He's not just faithful, great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. And here's what I would say. This is probably the most common thing that comes up. You may have had a loved one pass away. Maybe they were a believer and they passed away. You say, man, we prayed for them. We stood for them. We, we quoted scripture, man. We did everything that we knew to do, but they still passed away. Here's what I would say. And I've been there too. And I, I know God is still faithful. And here's what I mean. Because that believer that you prayed for, even though they passed away, you and me, we get to see them again and be with them again in person together for all of eternity. To die is gain. We get too focused on our time here on earth. And our time here on earth is like if I took a, a Sharpie, the length of this stage, if I took a Sharpie and I put one little dot right here and can think this stage continued, this wood on the stage continued going, that dot is our lifespan. We have got to learn to live eternally minded. And sometimes we limit God's faithfulness. And we say, well, God was not faithful because of what happened in this one dot. But God is saying, oh, I am faithful. Because even though that person died in the natural, I have raised them to fresh life and new life and spiritual life. They're more alive now than they ever have been because I raised them to life. Even when situations like that happen, God has been, is, and will always be faithful. And I will tell you this, when you go through tough times, you've got to be in the habit of reminding yourself of that. Reminding yourself of verses like this, 2 Corinthians 1 verse 20 says, for all the promises of God in him, that's in Christ, are yes, and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. When I am facing difficult times, I will say, Lord, let your will be done. I'm, I know verses, I'm gonna find verses in here that I can quote, that I can speak against this battle, this thing that I'm facing. I'm gonna quote it, I'm gonna believe it, and I'm gonna put my faith in God, in his character, in his faithfulness, knowing no matter what, we can't lose. No matter what, we cannot lose if our faith is in God. Let me take this a step further. He is faithful, but point number two is this. God desires to demonstrate his faithfulness. God desires to demonstrate his faithfulness. Point number two. I think oftentimes what we have to realize is this. God wants his kids to know and experience his faithfulness firsthand. Sometimes I think we, we settle for knowing about his faithfulness. Well, I read that Bible story and I know God was faithful. Or I saw they did it for my friend or my, or my family member. God was faithful to them, but he's just not faithful to me. I, we just aren't on that level. We're just not that close. I just don't know why God hasn't done it for me. I want to remind you of something here. It's very powerful. God desires to demonstrate his faithfulness to you personally. He wants you to know he is faithful, but he wants you to experience his faithfulness. One hero of the faith that God demonstrated his faithfulness to is Abraham. 
probably the most, the, the, the most prominent one that we can think of is Abraham. And what does he do? God, in the Old, Te- the Old Testament, God cuts a covenant with Abraham. He says, I'm going to give you a son. Through, through your bloodline, I'm going to save the world. I'm going to bring salvation. I'm going to multiply you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to curse those that curse you. I'm going to give you the land. He has all these things and all these conditions for the covenant. And God cuts this covenant with Abraham. And then in the New Testament, here's what we see, is that we get to be grafted into that covenant and the benefits of that covenant. Let me show you in Galatians 3, verse 29, it says this, and if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Even when I didn't have a right to it, God made a way for me to have a right to it. He's that good. He said, you don't deserve this, but when you put your faith in me, I'm gonna make sure that I'm gonna put you in a covenant that you weren't there when we cut this covenant, when we made this covenant, but I'm gonna find a way for you to get in on it so you can experience the promises of this covenant in your life. And here's what we do. We read stories about Abraham and David and, and the apostle Paul, and we say, well, that was, that was Abraham. Well, that was David, right? Like they had, su- they had such a big job in order to get Jesus, you know, even to the right spot for all these prophecies to take place. They had such a, a huge calling on their life. Well, that was the apostle Paul. He, did, he wrote two thirds of the New Testament. Like that was them. And I'm just, you know, are me and God really even, can we ever be that close where he can do something like that in my life? And I'm gonna make a statement that sounds kind of extreme, but I'm gonna show you in scripture where it's true. God wants to demonstrate his faithfulness to you even more than to Abraham. Let me say it again. I know it sounds, it sounds extreme, but I'm going to show you. God wants to demonstrate his faithfulness to you even more so than he did to Abraham. Let's go on to Hebrews 6, verse 13. It says this, for when God made the promise to Abraham, since he could swear an oath by no one greater, he swore by himself saying, indeed, I will greatly bless you I will greatly multiply you. And so having patiently waited, Abraham obtained the promise. Let me stop here for a second and break down what's happening. God swears by himself, reminding us of this, that he is the greatest. He is the most powerful. There was no one higher than him. When we swear, let's say we go to the court of law. What do we do? We put our hand on the Bible. We swear by something or someone greater than ourselves. God acknowledges the fact there is no one greater than me. There is no one else that I could swear on. So I'm going to swear on myself. Self, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, unchanging, all-powerful, the Almighty. I'm going to swear by myself. He swore on himself that the promise, promises would come to pass for Abraham. He said, you can take it to the bank. If I said it and I made this promise, it will happen. Now, here's where it gets good. Hebrews 6, we're going to skip to verse 17 now. It says, in the same way, God, desiring even more to demonstrate to the heirs of the promise. We just read a verse. Who's the heirs of the promise? Us, right? If you're in Christ, if you're a Christ, desiring even more to demonstrate to the heirs of the promise the fact that his purpose is unchangeable, confirmed it with an oath, so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who take refuge would have strong encouragement to hold firmly to the hope set before us. Here's what that means for us. We can have confident assurance that our heavenly father wants to minister to you, bless you, work in your life and work through us because of the covenant that we have. He wants to, what is it? It's his desire, desiring even more 
than what he did for Abraham. He acknowledges the impact of what can take place in the New Testament with his spirit living on the inside of you, with you being baptized in the spirit, surrounding you, being led by his spirit. He knows the impact. And he says, I desire even more so to show you my faithfulness so that what you can have strong encouragement to hold firmly to the hope that is set before us, that he is true to his word. And if he said, I can have salvation, I can have salvation. If he said, I can be free from sin, I can be free from sin. If he said, I can be free from that addiction, I can be free from that addiction. If he said that he would heal my body, he's going to heal my body. If he said that he would meet my need, no matter what it looks like, he's going to meet my need. Now, his faithfulness may not show up in how I think his faithfulness may show up. Sometimes I think, well, this is how God is going to answer my prayer. And oftentimes when I'm so sure that's how God's going to answer my prayer, he answers it a completely different way that I've never expected before. A completely different way. The fulfillment of his promise, God's promise to Abraham, it provides that assurance that he is certain to perform what he promises. He's certain to perform it. He said, if I was faithful to Abraham and my desire is even more so to do it for you, will I not do it? Will I not show up in your life and, and, and move in your life? So here's what we see scripturally. And, and man, I could, like I said, I could do a whole series on the faithfulness of God, and maybe we will in, in, in the next year or so. But God is faithful, and he desires to demonstrate his faithfulness to you. And you've got to, and when you're in the fight, you've got to remind yourself of his faithfulness. You've got to remind yourself that his promises are yes, and they are amen for those that are in Christ. You've got to continue to remind yourself. God is faithful. And his faithfulness may not always be exactly how we think it should be in the sense of our perspective, but his perspective is greater and his thoughts are greater. I'm going to circle back around to that thought in just a second, but here's what I want to show us. If God is faithful, then we have a responsibility to bear his faithfulness. And so really quickly, two ways we need to bear faithfulness. Two ways that we need to do that. Number one is this, be faithful to people. I've got to choose to be faithful to people. How do we make this practical? God is faithful. He's unchanging. He was faithful. He is. He will be. How are we going to be faithful to people? Point number one here. <clears throat> you guys doing okay? And I was thinking on the way in here as I was uh, just praying over my message this morning, and I just thought, you know, a lot of times uh, in the modern world, whenever you preach a message, there's a lot of guys that they start their message by something that's really going to engage you and maybe a funny story or a joke or something to get you going. And uh, I hope you're okay. But I just think, you know what, I have a, a precious 30, 35 minutes here. And so I'll just, I, if, I'll tell a story every once in a while, but it, we'll just get into the meat and potatoes, the stuff. This, this will change your life. And uh, my funny personal stories may not. <laughs> they won't. This is alive and active, not my opinion. And so sometimes I hop right into it and I'm just like, I hope everybody's okay and tracking with me here. So let's continue on. All right, let's go. Be faithful to people. What is faithful? The character of one who can be relied on. This is an issue in our culture right now. Talk to any business leader and they cannot find good workers. If any of you are in management, if any of you own your own business, you know you are struggling for faithful workers. And I would say this, Christians should be the most faithful and the most reliable employees, bosses, and business owners. We should be. We should be leading the way in everything that we do. In fact, look at what, what Jesus said in Matthew 5, verse 37. It says, let your yes mean yes, and your no mean no. Anything more than this comes from the evil one. 
the inability to commit, the inability to be faithful, the inability to see your commitment through has a root of wickedness and sin because it's not the character of our heavenly father. When our heavenly father makes a promise, his promise is yes and amen. His yes is yes. If I'm his kid, if I'm his son or his daughter, what does that mean for me? If I say, I will do it. If I say, I will commit to this for this long, if I commit to this contract, if I commit to this thing, if I commit to this relationship, I will see it through. That's my job. Anything outside of, well, yeah, but I didn't know this was, or what? Let your yes mean yes, and your no mean no, and any half-hearted excuses that I might try to justify me not seeing my commitment through, what does Jesus say? It comes from the evil one. That's not the character of my heavenly father. Look at this. In Proverbs 3, 3 through 4, it says, Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name where? In the sight of God and man. How do, how do I have favor in the sight of God and with my peers and with my family and with the people in my workplace? How do I do it? It's walking in love and faithfulness. Those two things. And if I choose to commit to those every single day, I'm going to walk in a place where God's blessing and his favor will go before me everywhere that I go, everywhere that I go. And if you want success and you want blessing in your relationships with people, with your spouse, your kids, your, your boss, your coworkers, it's really simple. What does he say? Be faithful. Walk in love and be faithful. If you're a faithful person, the character of one who can be counted and relied on, God will work in your relationships. He will work in your relationships. I will say this, this has to start in our marriages. If we want another, a next generation that will be faithful to God and to people, it starts with us modeling it in our relationships. Being faithful, it, we say this, right? We get in front of all of our witnesses that are on our wedding day and we say, well, I'm gonna be faithful for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, in sickness and in health until death do us part. If I make those commitments, my yes is yes and my no is no. And if I say I'm going to do these things, if you made those vows, you forfeit the right to say, well, I'm just not feeling it today. Because praise God, the character of my heavenly father, he doesn't say that to me. Lord, I need your faithfulness today. Ah, oh, man, woke up on the wrong side of the bed. I'm not feeling it. He won't do that to you. And if I'm going to represent him well and have the fruit of the spirit, I need to say, you know what? I may not be feeling it today, but I'm going to serve you anyway. I may not be feeling it today and you made me angry yesterday, but I'm going to walk in forgiveness. I'm going to love you and I'm going to help and serve in any way that I can in our relationship, our kids, whatever it might be, I am going to serve. Marriage is just one example, but here's what happens in our churches, in our marriages, in our relationships, um, in our jobs. Too many Christians uproot themselves as soon as they're offended. They're not, they get their feelings hurt. Someone doesn't take their advice or they don't get what they think they deserve. Well, if I'm not, hey, if you're not going to help me, if you're not going to allow me to have that position, I'm going to uproot myself. I quit. I'm out. I'm going to go on to the next thing. We uproot ourselves too quickly. And oftentimes I would say this, to walk by faith, some of the, some of the greatest faith decisions are to stay when it would be easier to go. Sometimes we say, well, I'm just going to take a step of faith. Sometimes the step of faith is to keep both feet planted and rooted where God has called me to be. When it would be easier to say, Peace out. I'm out of here. All of hell wages war against your ability to be faithful and to remain where God has called you to be. 
to be faithful where you want. Hell wants your faith to be short-lived, your passion to be temporary, your marriage to crumble, and your hope to fail. But I promise you this, victory belongs to those who bear the fruit of faithfulness. Victory belongs to those who bear the fruit of faithfulness. Faithfulness is the thing that will keep me, as scripture says, in favor and in a good name where? With God and with other people. The last point is this, I gotta be choose to be faithful to God. I've gotta choose to be faithful to God. This is the most important. We are in a place in our culture where we are in need of believers who are faithful to God in good times and in bad times. Not just when life is easy and our country is perfect and there's no persecution. And yeah, I'll be faithful to God. No, in good times and in bad times, God has a problem with people who want to be part-time Christians and not full-time saints. He's got an issue with that. That's not how God's called us to live. Hot, cold, not in the middle. God has a problem with people who want the benefits of heaven, but not the trouble that heaven brings when it comes down to earth. Lord, let your will be done. Give me boldness. Give me an action step. Give me, let me walk in faith and move and use, use me today. A lot of people just, I just wanna make it to heaven someday. I don't wanna really do the work of the kingdom now. God has a problem with that. He said, I need you at this time for such a time as this to do the work of the ministry while I'm away. So when I come, I will find a bride that is pure and holy and ready. We're getting to a place in America. It's not bad as bad as other places, but we're getting to a place where declaring Jesus as Lord is gonna set you up for not just spiritual pushback, but physical pushback as well. But this is nothing new. In Revelation chapter two, John writes to the church of Smyrna, it's the persecuted church. It's the persecuted church. And Jesus speaks through him and he writes this, Revelation 2.10. He says, do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Like, Lord, can you just keep us from the things we're about to suffer, right? Like, if I'm reading this letter, I'm like, almighty God, I hope we just don't. Let's continue on. He says, indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested and you will have tribulation 10 days. What does he say? Be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. Be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. In this time, here's what would happen. This is pretty common practice, especially where they were at, where they would capture the Christians and they would torture them literally for 10 days and try to get them to deny Christ. And if they wouldn't, after 10 days, they would, they would kill them. But I wanna tell you a story about the pastor of the church of Smyrna. His name is Polycarp. Such a unique name, Polycarp. But here's what Polycarp means. He was the main pastor and his name means much fruit much fruit. How interesting that he was the lead pastor, the main pastor of the church that faced so much persecution because he produced much fruit. Polycarp was one of John the apostle's disciples. So as John is writing this to his church, he is writing to one of his disciples. And not many years after Revelation 2 was written, Polycarp, the pastor, he was arrested and he was tortured. At the age of 86, he was tortured for 10 days and they did everything they could to get him to deny Christ and he would not do it. 
finally, they chose to put him to death and he was burned at the stake. And here's what happened when they burned him. They stood him at the stake and they tied him to it and they put wood all around his feet. And three different historians wrote that as they lit the fire and as they continued to throw wood at his feet to burn him, it says that Polycarp, three different historians said this, that he would not burn. His body would not burn. In fact, they said the fire and the flames created an arc around him and around his head and around his body where it wouldn't even touch him. While they threw wood on the fire and the fire raged, he preached Jesus. And he continued to preach Jesus. And he would not stop preaching Jesus. To take it a step further, all three historians said this, that while the flames continued to roar, they didn't smell smoke. They didn't smell burning flesh. They said they smelled, what it smelled like was a sweet smell of frankincense and spice. And this 86 year old pastor that John writes to, he said, I will be faithful unto death. And he preached Jesus. Finally, the the men that were burning him were so infuriated that they could not kill him that they eventually stabbed him in the heart. And that's how he died. But here's what he said in those final days of being tortured and being burned. This is a direct quote from historians. And is what he said, Polycarp said this. He said, 86 years I have served him and he has done me no wrong. How can I blaspheme my King and my savior? Polycarp had perspective on faithfulness because the natural and the, and the non-spiritual person would say, look at this quote and he would say, what do you mean he's done you no wrong? 10 days you've been tortured. You're literally being burned at the stake right now. How did you even get here? Your church has been persecuted against greater than all the other churches. But God, he said, God is faithful to me. So I will be faithful to him. He has done me no wrong. You see in Revelation 2.10, it says what? Be faithful unto death. He knew that this could be his, this could be him. He says, Jesus says, be faithful unto death and you will receive the crown of life. That crown of life, there's two different words in the original language for crown. This is not a crown of royalty, it's a crown. It's like a wreath crown that the, that the athletes would get from winning a race. It was a crown that signified you finished well. You finished well. And this is what, he, this is what Paul talks about in 2 Timothy verse four. He says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith finally there was laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. That's you and me. Be faithful to God no matter what. And he says, even if it means you die in your physical body, guess what? You're gonna have more life in the next moment, the next millisecond than you've ever experienced in your life. And you will receive the crown of life good job. Well done, my good and faithful servant. That's what Jesus talks about in Matthew 25 when he shares the parable of the master and the servants. And the master goes away and he comes back and he checks on his servants. And he says, what have you done with what you've been given? And in in verse 21, his master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. Good and peaceful servant. Well, I just want to, don't want to rock the boat too much. I just want to be peaceful. I just want to joy and just have a good time. I wanted to just uh, be very patient. 
faithful. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much and enter into the joy of your master. For Samuel, he gives this in verse tw- or chapter 12, he gives this perfect insight into a, a command, something to live by. And he says this, 1 Samuel 12, 24, only fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart for consider what great things he has done for you. How could Polycarp being burned at the stake, being tortured 10 days, not a young man, 86 years, how could he not deny Christ? He knew my King and my Savior, he was faithful to save me. He is faithful no matter what I face. And he will always be faithful for all of eternity. He is unchanging. I think many times we get concerned and we think, well, what's gonna happen if I ever get to put to that place where if I don't deny Christ that I'll be put to death, they, they hang me or they cut off my head or they, they burn me. Can I, could I stand up for Jesus in that moment? And I would say this, if you're abiding in him, you will. Because faithfulness is not the fruit of you. Faithfulness is the fruit of the spirit. How could Polycarp not deny Christ as they were throwing wood and bringing the fire to his feet? It wasn't his strength. It was the spirit in him producing faithfulness where he said, I will not deny my savior. He had a part to play, but you see how the Holy Spirit in your life will cause you to do things that are so unnatural that you wouldn't even recognize yourself. And that's the power of abiding in the fruit of the spirit. Lord, help me not be a better me. Help me be a better me in you. Produce your fruit in me. Your faith will will invite pushback, but guess what? Faithfulness is a fruit of the spirit. It's not a fruit of you. Continue to abide in him. And no matter what this life throws at you or what you face, you will be able to stand in faithfulness to God. So let me recap. God is faithful. He is never changing. He's, all of his promises are yes and amen. God desires to demonstrate his faithfulness to you. This book is a reminder of what he has done so that you can have faith in what he is doing and what he will do. It helps me have faith in his faithfulness. He doesn't just want you to know about his faithfulness. He wants you to experience his faithfulness, just like he did for Abraham. Be faithful to people. If you need favor in your workplace, be a faithful worker. If you need favor in your business, be a faithful business owner. And God will give you a good name with him and with people. Be faithful to God, even unto death. And God says, even if you face death, I promise you I will raise you to new life and I will give you the crown of life. And he will, he will grab you by the face and say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. And what a precious moment that is. If we can acknowledge his faithfulness, abide in him and let his faithfulness be produced in us. Let's be a faithful church and watch how God will change our lives. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, come before you right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you that you are faithful. You're never changing. You always have been faithful. You are faithful. You always will be faithful. And Lord, today we acknowledge it and we put our faith in your character, in you, 
not in a religious process, not in a perfect prayer. We put our faith in you and our relationship with you. And by faith, Lord, we ask that as we remind ourselves of your faithfulness through the power of your Holy Spirit, our helper, would you help us be faithful people? Lord, I pray for our church body. I pray that we would be the most faithful workers, the most faithful business owners, the most faithful leaders that our communities have ever seen, that they would know you through our faithfulness. And Lord, I pray that through the power of your Holy Spirit, you would help us produce faithfulness to you. That Lord, no matter what we face in our jobs, with coworkers, with our neighbors, and even our own family, whatever pushback we may face for our beliefs, I thank you that your Holy Spirit, as we abide in you, will produce faithfulness no matter what. Lord, I thank you that you're good. That even when your faithfulness didn't show up how we thought it might show up, I thank you you're faithful. And Lord, I thank you that someday we are gonna enter in your joy, be with you forever. And our desire is that we would do and abide in you in such a way that you would be able to say, well done, good and faithful servant. We love you, Lord. We are your servants. Would you use us this week in Jesus' name? Amen. Thank you for listening to the Abide Church podcast. If you'd like to partner with us financially, or if you're in the Tulsa area and would like to attend our weekly gathering, you can check out abidechurch.com.